Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Nightmares Podcast. I am Zachary Smith, your host tonight, with two dumb idiots. One on my right, his name is Brandon Burkowski. One on the left, his name is Mark Conway, the real Italian. <laughs> with a real Italian, please stand up. <laughs> Ooh, feisty. And now I remember why we took intro duties away from Zach. Yes. <laughs> welcome to the Nightmares Podcast. Uh, three Chicago filmmakers talking about all things horror and sometimes other things. You mean talking about other things and sometimes horror? Actually, that's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, kind of true. So, uh, normally this is the part of the podcast where we talk about uh, horror movie news, but guess what? There's not much else going on. Uh, Robert England said he might be Freddy one more time, but he says that every fucking year. Actually, so. there is one big piece of horror news. Uh, the latest episode of Living Nightmares is out on YouTube uh, now. I thought he was going to talk about Preacher. Don't say it. He will. <laughs> no, no there is a poster and it looks awesome. <laughs> yes, the second episode of uh, Living Nightmares is finally up. We are finally... We're Damn, it's so good to have that finally up. Fucking three months of work. And it really, really pays off. A lot of people are given a lot of really good positive feedback on it. Um, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of the two other guys that are sitting at this table with me. We all worked our asses off to make sure that this happened. Um, uh, you know, as the people who follow on Instagram, uh, my video at three thirty in the morning <laughs> when I had just gotten back. You um, looked like you were up at three. I was up at three thirty in the morning. You sounded like you were up at three thirty in <laughs> the morning. Nice. Um, and I was also trying to be quiet because one of my roommates' uh, friends were was sleeping on the couch at the same time, and my the couch is next to my room. How courteous of you, Mark. I know. I'm You're so, a lot nicer than I am. Oh no, I, I know that. Because, you know, Brandon has to blast Mad Max at 12 in the morning and none of our neighbors complain. Thank you. No, that's, I mean, that, that sounds like their problem more than it's his problem. <laughs> I'm not really wrong on that one. You've so. never listened to Mad Max at 12 in the morning with a surround sound system blasted to max capacity. Oh, it wasn't at max capacity. I had it at like negative 40. Either way, the room was shaking. Yeah, it was pretty awesome for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty awesome. Even though it was for all the wrong reasons, it's still pretty fucking great. <laughs> anyway, uh, especially when the guitar guy comes. Oh, of course. You know, you you're not as metal as you as you think you are. <laughs> you will never be as metal as that guy, ever. The uh, so anyway, uh, yes, ep- uh, episode two of Living Nightmares is up on YouTube. Uh, Brandon will throw a link at the bottom of the screen for this particular one. You know what? I haven't done it to you in a while, so you can't get that mad at me. The uh, and this is important, and you know it. Take notes, Brandon. The uh, <laughs> so um, obviously, please check it out. Uh, it's and then also, of course, episode one is also available on our channel. So you, you haven't caught episode one. Uh, what are you doing? Check it out. It's awesome. They uh, just like us for our podcast and not our episodes. Yeah, that, for some reason. They, <laughs> Uh, that would certainly be interesting. The main purpose of our show, and it's just like nobody gives a damn, is to yeah. No, we're we're here for the podcast, but what about the show? Fuck the show. We want the podcast. Um, okay. Please watch the show. Please. We really do like it and enjoy doing it. Yeah, and we want to continue doing it. So. Yeah. So so please please watch it. Um, give it a like. Give it a subscribe. And as I say on all my Instagram shirt with your aunts, brothers, uncles, sisters, best friend, neighbors, all those good people. Uh, and then uh, we will uh, scurry on from there. Brandon, yes. what is the topic of the podcast? Zombies, the living dead, 
What a Ghouls. bunch of basics. Nice. And I feel like I just quoted a really terrible movie there. Yeah. <laughs> Dead Don't Die. Uh, 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 we were just talking about that again. If you have a chance to see it, don't. Don't. <laughs> Ever. This yes, our favorite zombie movies. Yeah. Um, uh, Brandon, you want to go first because you always seem to have a list. So. I do have a list. Um... And since I actually have a list to pull from, Zach or Mark, do you want to go first? Or... Zach, do you want to give it a shot? Meh. Oh, pfft. How enthusiastic of you. You're not a fan of zombies? Not anymore. They're so overdone, and it's gotten to the point where it's like... But the overdoneness doesn't take anything away from the good zombie movies. Yeah, but the it's fact true. that the market is so oversaturated with them, I just... I don't know. There's only a handful. What was it? I get the um, uh, first one off the t- the 28 series. Weeks later, days later. Yeah, I gave you that one. That one's really good. Um, days is obviously much better than uh, than months, but uh, you mean weeks? I, weeks, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I think they're both just as good. Both maybe. are good movies. Yeah, yeah, they're both extremely violent and ferocious. So yeah. But. Which the first one was actually a pretty big um, heavy hitter for digital filmmaking. Was that uh? What was that, the first all-digital film or something like that? It wasn't the first, but it was a major um, it, it was a major step forward for it. Because the way that Danny Boyle wanted to... like Particularly the bridge scene where Killian Murphy's is all alone on that bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, because film cameras are so heavy and everything, and there's so many... He wanted to be For the time that they were allowed to film that scene, they wouldn't have been able to shoot it on film. Mm. Whereas having all these digital cameras spread throughout the location, a couple takes, they got all the coverage they need. Hmm. Nice. But yeah, Zach, do you want to go over what 28 Days Later is about? Um, Pretty much, it's a zombie apocalypse that starts with an advanced form of rabies, if I remember correctly. Yeah, these, are, yeah these are like angry zombies. Yeah, yeah. But no, these yeah, zombies... I remember the opening <clears throat> scene was with the monkeys in the cages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so pretty much, uh, these zombies are not your average, you know, they just walk and moan and stuff. No, these motherfuckers charge you ferociously. Like, their sole purpose is to charge you, eat you alive, and tear you apart. Start your, grandpa, uh, your grandpa's zombies, yeah. kids. And it's Which, so, and was it, this the movie that started the tr- the recent trend of fast zombies? It was like, one, I, I, I know that there have been fast zombie movies before this. Like, if there's there, one I'm going to be talking about. If there has, there aren't any really that are that good. Um, but I feel like this, along with the Down the Dead remake two years later, are the two heavy hitters for starting the recent trend of fast zombies. I just remember that opening. That, but that, that one was... Um, I wouldn't really call Dawn of the Dead uh, fast zombies. I would say that's still more normal zombies. You know, like they're they slow, weren't but slow. They weren't slow, but at the same time, they didn't like ferociously charge you like their whole mm, life. There were a couple on scenes where they did. Couple, but it's still not as yeah. They, 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 these were supercharged, like yeah, know, like they, these zombies were like on c- cocaine so, and steroids crack. times a thousand crack PCP yeah whatever you want to call it adrenaline yeah all these drugs Uh, and all it took was a simple piece of blood to enter your system and you were screwed yeah dude Um, and then obviously the the whole thing the the one thing I remember from that movie the most was that opening shot with him and uh, in London Mm -hmm. and seeing Big Ben in the background and all the fucking streets have deserted it's still amazing that he actually got that shot uh, you know, to have a, a completely clear screen within that kind of area that's normally crowded beyond belief. Yeah. 
the um, and then that, and, and also too just a, a really overall really good movie um great plot great stunts great um, quality acting there's a lot of good stuff going on in that everything movie. about it was really good yeah yeah uh, and then uh, 28 weeks Christopher Eccleston was in it mm-hmm I yeah it's been a really long time since I've seen it but I've been thinking about rewatching it lately when did 28 weeks weeks later that one was out? at least maybe three or four years later I want to say what year was that 28 days later was 02, 28 weeks later was 07. Damn, that, yeah, that, that is... That was a gap. That must have been Jeremy Renner's first first role. Because that was before... That was uh, before Hurt Locker. That was yeah. before Hurt Locker, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, I mean, that was one of his uh, one of his first. It's probably what got him the job. And you know what? It was a damn good movie. It also created one of the most iconic horror themes out there. He's been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, uh, so his first credited movie was a 1995 teen movie called Senior Trip. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, he was in an episode of Angel. He was in an episode of CSI. Okay. He was in SWAT. Remember SWAT? The movie? I do yeah. remember SWAT. He was a bad guy in SWAT. He did the voice of the cops. He was the voice actor for the cops in the video game adaptation of the Catwoman movie. Uh, I think I'm the only one on the planet that actually played that damn game. I'm making the the noise because of the movie. The movie's so bad. Yeah, the game was really weird. I believe that. He was in Thor? Oh, right, right. (laughs) 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 Whoops. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, Hold on a second. Bring me my thinking grenades. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! <laughs> that might work. <laughs> oh my god, he's dead! <laughs> what else you got, Zach? Uh, anybody ever seen Dead Snow? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Long That's time ago. probably one of my top five favorite zombie movies. What the fuck's not to like? It's just because, you know, Nazi, Nazi zombies, zombies and them getting murdered. And I'd ask you what the movie was about, but I feel like you kind of just nailed it right there. It, it literally, Nazi zombies... That, the entire movie's in German, but who cares? It's still just awesome. That is that is it. Yeah. Have um, you seen Dead Snow 2? No, I need to get around to it. I yeah, keep saying so I'm so going I, to, but it's... I want to see it too, but I want to rewatch the first one before I watch it. Yeah, because it's been many a year since I've seen the first one, but you, that was a really good movie. You gentlemen want to include video games in this? We can. I kind of want to. I don't really have much to add to that. I, I have I have at least one or two to add to that. All right, if we're doing video games, give me a minute because I got to think and organize I, which ones I want to talk about. All right, Mark, I'm, go. I'll go. Um, he actually stole one of mine. Uh, the two other ones are actually Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland. This is my two one of my two favorites. I, I love them. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is obviously a, a great comedy. Uh, in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead. I'm sorry, did you say Dawn of the Dead? I meant Shaun you of the said Dead. Said Dawn of the Dead. I meant Shaun of the Dead. Um, but the Dawn of the Dead is also a great zombie movie, but I like Shaun of the Dead way more. Uh, do you want to tell the people what Shaun of the Dead's about? <laughs> uh, it's about a guy named Shaun, uh, who, uh, doesn't figure out he's in a zombie apocalypse till about halfway through the fucking movie. Um. <laughs> uh, There's a little more to it than that. Like, it, pretty much he is this 20-something, uh, who's never really done anything with his life. Uh, his girlfriend just broke up with him. Um... And basically, the zombie apocalypse happens, and he's trying to rescue her along with his mother and his best friend. And yeah, it's really funny. It's, yeah. it's a Simon Pegg movie. Go yeah. watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Simon Pegg is awesome. It's the one that it's the movie that introduced America to Simon Pegg. Is it? And, 
The, uh, I thought Hot Fuzz was. No, no Hot Fuzz so, was three years yeah, after yeah, this. Shaun oh, of the Dead okay. was first. All right, so Shaun the, of the um, Dead Actually, and the, the funny thing is, uh, the big comedy about this is he does not realize, like I said, that the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened for like another 20 minutes. He doesn't figure it out until he finds his roommate his, uh, actually become a zombie, and they start throwing records at him, and then they argue about which records they're going to throw at him. The Batman soundtrack. <laughs> throw it. Throw it. <laughs> um, uh, Bee Gees, throw it. Um, that whole, uh, that whole scene, right when he gets up, um, after a night of drinking Mm -hmm. to walk across the street to the, uh, um, uh, to the convenience store and he's not even paying attention to anything at all. It's, it's great. And also a phenomenal tracking shot. Yeah. Uh, walking from across the street uh, over to the uh, the gas station and then back to his apartment. It's great. Um, and then of course, Zombieland, uh, Zombieland, uh, with, uh, Woody Harrelson, uh, uh, Jesse Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg. uh, Emma Stone, and then, who's the, the young Abigail Breslin Abigail Breslin and then also a fantastic this time a fantastic uh, cameo by Mr. Bill Murray um, this is actually a good zombie movie that he was a part of uh, opposed to the other one uh, <laughs> Zombieland is essentially about um, a kid a name uh, um, so the characters name, don't really go by their real names they go, they go by the name of the city they're from where they're from so Jesse Eisenberg plays Columbus Woody Harrelson plays Tallahassee, and then uh, and then Wichita, and then the Little other, Rock, and Little Rock, yeah, uh, and then just them uh, trying to survive this, uh, the zombie apocalypse, they or got, Woody Harrelson's quest for uh, Twinkies. Twinkies, yeah, loves. which really made that movie for me. Oh, absolutely! Actually, yeah. Woody Harrelson made that movie for me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Did you ever see the Amazon pilot? No. So a few, quite a few years ago, like back when I was in college, Amazon would put out these pilots for people to watch okay and based on everybody's responses they decide which ones they would want to bring to series okay um i think man in the high castle is one of the pilots for one of the years right. um there have been a few other shows like mad dogs which is a good one um but i believe their first year where they did that they had a pilot for zombie land hmm. and nobody liked it that sucks. But I watched it, and I was like, this is actually pretty funny. Like, the, I think the main reason nobody liked it was it wasn't the movie cast. The The TV show Tallahassee looks nothing like Woody Harrelson. Like, they weren't even trying to make them look like the movie cast. Okay. Um, but some of the writing was pretty funny. Um, like, the opening scene is, it shows Tallahassee and his, this is, like, right when the zombie apocalypse was starting, and he's working as, like, a male person at an office, and there are these two office workers just kind of complaining about, you know, their first world problems, and in the background of the window, you see, like, all these zombies wrecking havoc in the world, and they're just completely oblivious to it. Um, Seems to happen a lot in uh, zombie comedy movies. Yeah, and then there was uh, (laughs) one moment towards the end where there are these two elderly people who are turned into zombies. They attack Tallahassee, guns both of them down, and he has the unfortunately funny line, it's always so romantic when an elderly couple dies within seconds of each other. That's that's dark. That is dark and great uh, and and fucking great. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, any of uh, any of those two choices, please go and see them. They're both fucking great. They're totally worth your time. Uh, and 
obviously the two video game choices that I have uh, would be the um, the first and second Resident Evil because uh, I have fond experiences. Actually, I played my the first two mature games I ever played were Resident Evil and Turok. Played them the same night. Again, the, Turok was the game where my family knew I was crazy. Yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> we knew it right away, and we we still continued to be friends. I would with just you. stand there, the, hitting the Stegosaurus, watching the blood flow, being a very happy person. <laughs> there might be something wrong with this kid. <laughs> I don't know. Completely dismembering and destroying the lizard people. Hey, Brendan, what does and it say? Giggling. What does it say about us that we still want to be friends with them after that? Yeah. <laughs> that we're also crazy, or we're just willing to settle, it, yeah. or both, I guess. Uh, the other one is uh, is Dead Rising, uh, for, uh, hands down. One uh, probably one of the uh, the most fun video games I've ever played, where everything is a weapon, and you just go and kill a bunch of zombies. Uh, you can literally grab a lawnmower, you can grab a cash register, a teddy bear, and beat up a zombie with. It's the it. only video game I know where you can hop on a. Tr- pink tricycle and ride down the Las Vegas Strip with your friends while killing a whole bunch of zombies in the process. It's super fucking great is what it is. Uh, the And a lot of fun and actually a really good story uh, behind it. It could be as serious as you want it to be and it could be as ridiculous as you want it to be. I was going to say the seriousness of the story goes away when you're wearing a Sevbot head and a G-string. The uh, Yeah, that happens. Yes. That happens. Or a sundress <laughs> and a wig. Yeah, yeah. The uh, when you when you go and kill zombies and drag, it kind of uh, you know ruins the uh, the seriousness of. Especially everything. since the cutscenes keep your outfit with you. Oh, exactly. The, even even when you have an actual like head or mask I, on, I love it the, stays it stays with it. It's I love awesome. part two where you're killing the two twins and it just gets the shot of underneath the girl's legs and you're just looking there with the fucking Sebbot face and there's that big golden smile in the Lego head and you're just standing there like ah. The uh, supposed so, to be a serious, a cool moment. It all just went out the window. Oh yeah, no fuck yeah. And then all those chainsaws that you get, and all the hardware stuff you can get, or and, you proceed to beat the shit out of her with a lightsaber. The yeah, that does happen. You do get a lightsaber in that. <laughs> you get to kill zombies with a lightsaber. It's pretty fucking sweet. The um uh, and you get uh, um you a chain gun and that um like I said a lawnmower which I do appreciate a lot. Just put the lawnmower blade on your head and just charge head first into zombies. And I love it after um after you like the the damage on a on a weapon is completely done where you can't because in the game if you use a weapon enough it will become useless. So if you do yeah if you have a last little bit of usage with it you can actually take it and throw it at them after you're done. Um, uh, not only can you throw shoot guns, you can throw guns at zombies. It's pretty fucking great. Highly recommend going back to play. The first one is definitely the crown jewel of them. Um, it gets a little bit more eh as time goes on. Um, it's funny, almost less is more with that. Like, uh, it, it got... Eh. Got a little rid- like when you started customizing your own vehicles and everything else, and it got too, it got a little bloated. I wanted to play part three, I just never got around to it. Yeah, definitely, it definitely got a little bit bloated towards the end. Um, the only thing, the only good thing I liked is actually making we- weapon combos. Those are pretty sweet. Just put two fucking chainsaws on a paddle saw and just go to town. That, Woo! That's so it. like you can like combine weapons and all that. Yes, sir. It's pretty great. Yeah. The uh, highly, yeah, highly recommend. I'd say the first one and the second one are, uh, first one especially worth playing. The second one's pretty good playing. Anything after the second one, you could probably take a hard pass on that one. Yeah, give and take. The, uh, but yeah, def- definitely worth playing. Definitely my favorite of the zombie genre. 
Uh, and yeah, that's all I got, Zach. Any uh, any other additional uh, zombie movies you thought of or zombie video games? Movies. Mm, I was gonna talk about Dead Rising. I forgot you actually played that game. Um, I know it's awesome. I've already talked about Dead Space on the podcast, so that one's out. Uh, uh, I don't know. Those are really my top ones. Everybody knows Resident Evil and shit like that. So eh. yeah, the first first one, second one. I don't really remember the third one. Third one was the one that included Nemesis. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. The uh, any other movies? Meh. No, no movies for Zach. Meh. So ready for me? Yep, ready okay. for your list, sir. So in my top three zombie movies, I can describe as two nights and a planet. Um. <laughs> I'm intrigued. All right, so yeah, I wonder what part three is. <laughs> So, probably my favorite zombie movie, and I gotta go with the zombie movie I've watched more than any other. It's not just my favorite zombie movie, it's one of my favorite 1980s horror movies, it's one of my favorite horror comedies, it's just one of my favorite movies. Scream Factory just released a collector's edition that if you're lucky enough to order from their website, you get a Tom Atkins action figure with it. I know I know you folks probably can, you can kind of hear it in his voice. He is so fucking excited right now. I love now. this movie. So it, excited. It's called Night of the Creeps. Yeah, and I, <laughs> literally looking at the action figure he has up on the manistel. I can't wait till I get to open it tonight. You're not opening it. Uh, it will no, stay no, in its box. No, I'm totally going to be that guy over it. Um, he's going to make a fucking shrine of it when he gets his own apartment at <laughs> some point. He's just Mom, Mom be- I can't afford, uh, afford rent. Why don't you sell your dolls? <laughs> Mom, action figures. When I was your age, they were dolls. But I've also got a movie poster for it signed by the director and some of the cast members. That's pretty cool. Not Tom Atkins, unfortunately. That sucks. Um, but yeah, it's basically an 80s nostalgia movie that was made during the 80s. It's so great. It's so great. So It is a really good movie, ladies and gentlemen. It is an excellent movie. So it's basically there are these aliens that have created these slugs. And if the slug gets inside of you, it turns you into a zombie, and basically your brain becomes a nest for more slugs. Hmm. So as you're dead walking around, the slugs are incubating, and then your head will explode, more slugs come out, turn more people into zombies, repeat. Nice. Uh, So it starts off on the alien spaceship, and there are just these ridiculous looking aliens (laughs) trying to stop this one alien from launching out the slugs and what's really cool about it is it's on upon rewatching it you can tell by the one alien's eyes that it's been infected by the slugs so it's Mm. not like some rogue alien that's trying to infect the planet it's an alien legitimately got got by the slugs um so the slugs land around this college campus in 1959 on the night where um, this one girl broke up with her cop boyfriend, and at the same time, there's a maniac who just escaped from an asylum with an axe and has gone around murdering people. Wow, what a coincidence! Uh, the cop who, the cop in question, ends up being Tom, the Tom Atkins character later on. So, uh, 
the girl with her new boyfriend, they go out and park by, you know, the makeout point of, you know, it's the 1950s makeout point. You, you've seen it. Yes. Um, and so in the woods, they see the little meteorite that the slugs come down. The boyfriend goes to investigate. Meanwhile, she gets axed by the escape psycho. Wow. Cut to 1986. How, how, many, how many horror movies can you put into this movie? All of them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, What kind of horror movie do you want to make? All of them. Uh, Literally a slasher, a slasher drive-in movie. Oh, this movie has everything. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, zombie movie. Right, but yeah. So then, cut to nineteen eighty-six. It's Pledge Week on the college campus. Uh, there's the main character and his friend. And the main character sees this girl, this sorority girl, that he just instantly falls in love with. And so he's trying to get with her. But in order to do that, he thinks they need to join a frat, which puts them on a collision course with the Bradster. Oh, God. (laughs) Whatever you're picturing that character to be, you're probably correct. Um, I I can certainly think of a few people. So basically the Bradster sends them to pull a prank on one of the other fraternities in exchange for getting into the frat. Of course, he has no intention of actually initiating them into the frat. Um, and the prank involves them getting a dead body from one of the medical facilities on campus. Because that's always a good idea. But the dead body was the boyfriend from 1959 who's been infected by the slugs. So that's so when they get him out of there, that's how the slugs get out. Uh. And... Yeah, uh, dead bodies on campus. Cops are called. Tom Atkins' character, that's how he comes into it. Uh, it's just... No description can do this movie justice. It has everything. It has scares. It has humor. It has one of the all-time greatest horror comedy lines of all time. Do not spoil it. I will not spoil it. It is too good, but if you look it up, you'll probably find it. Um, it's said by Tom Atkins. Zach, you probably know the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the good news, bad news line. Uh, oh, well now I, yeah, I've already heard it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what really makes the movie, though, are the characters. Like, the characters are actually likable. Mm. Uh, and Tom Atkins' character has a lot of layers to him. Like, it's what he's going through mentally and emotionally through this whole thing. It's like, oh, this he's actually going through some stuff here. Uh, he's not just this sarcastic cop. It's he, He's really dealing with the situation in his own way. Mm. Uh, there's even a Dick Miller cameo towards the end. Uh, and it's such a great movie. It is like, but yeah, the characters are so likable that it's such a breeze rewatching this movie nice. time and time again. Nice. It's one of those movies that if I have a friend who says they've never seen it, my response is, I know what we're doing for the next 90 minutes. Zach was one of those friends. Wes was one of those friends. Freddie was one of those friends. And I and I about and I know I'm about to be one of those friends very Probably. Soon. Don't say he'll make us do it. The uh, I will. Uh, goosebumps tonight. Just say you've seen it. Um I already know he hasn't, though. No, you don't. Um, yeah, I've already confessed. But yeah, Sorry. what's really cool, um, really, they did a really... They, so, both Blu-rays, you get an excellent transfer. The nice. DVD originally came out like 07, 09, around that time. The Blu-ray, I think, came out like a year or two later. So, when they originally made the movie, um, test audiences did not... Test audiences and the studio did not like the ending, um, but of course, when they screened it, the visual effects for the ending weren't yet complete. 
Mm. I'm not going to spoil what the ending is. And when I say the ending, I mean literally the last two minutes. Okay. Like the last two minutes before credits roll. That's what I'm talking about with the ending. So they made him reshoot a new ending that was just stupid. Just dumb. But on the plus side, they were able to use some of the money that was given for the new ending to shoot an additional kill in this little woodshed outside the uh, sorority house. Um, it's actually one of the coolest kills in the movie. Nice. Um, so it's kind of, okay, you got some good, but you also got a terrible ending. But then when they redid the DVD, they allowed him to put to create his director's cut, which was basically just take off this ending, put in my original ending. So, yeah, the DVD and the Blu-ray release have the original ending. Scream Factory just released a collector's edition that has both cuts of the movie. So this is the first time the theatrical cut is available on disc. Nice. Um, the director's cut is the better one. Uh, the old Blu-ray did have the theatrical cut ending, but it was just a special feature, so it wasn't part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the Scream Factory Clarice Edition has like all the extras of the previous Blu-ray, but a whole bunch of other stuff. Like there's the Horrors Hollowed Grounds, which is a series that this guy named Sean Clark does, where he vi- revisits uh, locations from famous horror movies. Nice. And there's an interview with the editor, uh, which the editor has gone on to do. What was the name of the show? Uh, Horrors Hollowed Grounds. I gotta, I gotta check out the show because yeah. they probably have a lot of really good episodes. Um, a lot of Screen Factory releases have episodes of it. Nice. Okay. Uh, and I believe the Text Chainsaw Massacre anniversary Blu-ray also has one of the older episodes of it. Um, Damn. I could have turned... There's like so many episodes I would want to see that probably don't yeah. exist. Like there's a lot of cheesy humor in it. Uh, Sean Clark, the host, is a very charismatic guy. Uh, I really like yeah, and this is a really good concept for the nice. show. Um, but yeah, but there's also an interview with the editor on the Screen Factory Blu-ray release, and the editor has actually uh, gone on to do a lot of the Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil and such. Really? No kidding. Yep. Uh, but yeah, he was talking about how Night of the Creeps is like his first horror or action movie that he's done, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how Fred Decker, the writer director is basically just like a walking encyclopedia of horror movies. Nice. Which, I mean, when you watch Night of the Creeps and you watch Monster Squad, it's like, yeah, he, he knows his stuff. Um, but yeah, he was talking about how looking back when he was editing it, he didn't quite get that it was it was a lot funnier than he thought it was going to be. Like, he had initially thought it was going to be a straight-up horror movie, but looking back, he realizes how much humor is actually in it. Um yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I love watching it. I watch it at least a couple times a year. Like, it's one of my favorite movies to watch. It's mm. only like an hour and a half. It's a good, quick, breezy movie. It's never boring. It never gets old. Uh, like, you can tell that it was made by somebody who loved making it. You know what? That always makes it. You know, It really does. When you get somebody that really, really loves... Whatever genre they're doing, that's why I love most uh, most of West uh, West Craven stuff, you know, because he loves what he does. Yeah, and I enjoy watching somebody who loves what they do do what they do. Yeah, uh, you know, and yeah, it's like this is a movie that just bleeds passion. I like you can't help but watch it with a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. And then of course he went on to do Monster Squad, which was also really good. Um, he was also originally. 
going to write a Godzilla movie, or he did write a Godzilla movie in the 1980s. Okay. Um, to be directed by Steve Miner, who had done House, which was also based on a script that Fred Decker had done. Uh, Steve Miner also directed Friday the 13th Part 2 and Part 3, the mm. 3D one. So, yeah, Fred Decker wrote a 2D directed by Steve Miner 3D Godzilla movie. And you can actually find concept art for it out there online. No shit. Um, but because Steve Miner had only done like Friday 13th and low grade horror movies at that point, they didn't really want to trust one of their most expensive movies to somebody who hadn't really shown that he can handle that kind of budget yet. Nice, nice. But so that's unfortunate for us because, you know, it's. I think it would have been freaking. It would have been a bizarre Godzilla movie, but then again, what Godzilla movie isn't? Godzilla versus Hedora. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> the uh, yeah, that that is something. I mean, do you even want to talk about any other movies on your? I list? have a couple. Um, okay. So Night of the Living Dead, not the one you think though. Um, as important as the 1968 George Romero original is, that movie has definitely earned its spot in film history, not just horror history, but film history. Um, Looking at it unbiasedly, there is a lot of, and forgive the pun here because I really don't know how else to put it, there is a lot of dead air in the movie. It sure really is. Hello! In 1990, Tom Savini directed a remake of it. Is it the one in the mall? No. Okay. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is the one in the mall. Ah, The original and the remake. Okay. However, yes, the Tom Savini remake is basically the same plot as the original Night of the Living Dead. Guy and his sister go to visit their mother at the graveyard. Zombies come. Uh, brother gets killed. Woman hides out in a house. Other people are there or come there as well. They try to survive the night of the living dead. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Tom Savini really kept the story moving in his remake, though. Mm-hmm. And the gore effects are really good. And it's directed really well. Like, it, there's a commentary on the DVD and Blu-ray that he did. And he talks about it was really important to him that they show a lot of weapon-to-skin contact as possible. So there are a lot of, like, rubber frying pans, retractable blades. Like, he didn't want to cut on impact. He wanted to show the impact in frame. And it Fun really for the whole shows. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, being directed by Tom Savini, you know, it's the makeup and gore effects are going to be of course. really good. Woohoo! Um, Until they're drawn back by the damn MPAA. <laughs> but yeah, I highly recommend the 1990 remake of Nile Living Dead. And then my third favorite zombie movie is Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. I have never seen this movie. I've heard that is one hell of a movie. It is part of. It was originally part of Grindhouse, which was the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez double bill with uh, Death Proof. Uh, Planet Terror, basically, um, government facility releases some kind of nerve gas, turns people into zombies. Uh, The main character is a go-go dancer trying to survive. There's her boyfriend. There's this crazy doctor, his wife, and their kid. There are the crazy babysitters. Or the crazy babysitter twins, as they're credited. Bruce Willis has a cameo. Because um, <laughs> why the hell Saeed not? from Lost is in it. Tarantino has a cameo. Um, 
like he digitally added all these scratches and color manipulations. <laughs> it looks gloriously terrible at times. <laughs> but what a lot of those grindhouse movies would do is they'd have their big star, but they would only have them for like a day. Yeah. So what they would do is for like the reverse shots, they would shoot the star's character with a double from behind. Of course. And then they would just shoot their dialogue. So the way he shot Bruce Willis, if you actually look at Bruce Willis's shots, he never actually appears in the same shot as any of the other major characters. Because Rodriguez wanted to keep that aesthetic of the big star that they got for just one day is completely, their shots are completely separated from everybody else's. Like, that's how much into the details he got. It must have been fun to cram all his shit into one day, because he's, he's in a decent portion of that. Yeah. It's not like, I'm just thinking one I, I, day's I don't worth think, of I don't think he was there for just one day, but I, I'm not saying he, Willis is there for one day, but I'm saying Rodriguez kept that aesthetic. Gotcha. Yeah. I love stuff like that. I know most people would consider it very gimmicky, and yes, it is. But I enjoy those type of gimmicks. It's a gimmick, but it's a very good and enjoyable gimmick. And it's also... Yeah. It's also and, it's, but it's what separates game. Planet Terror from the rest of these Grindhouse knockoffs is it's still a good movie on its own. If you take away the gimmicks of the scratches mm. and the missing reel and all that other stuff, you still have a very good zombie movie. There really there isn't are, a single bad character in yeah. that movie. And it is also... Jeff Fahey plays a barbecue... That was I, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And then um, oh, what the fuck is his name? Which well, the big which, sheriff? Oh, uh, Michael Bean. Michael Bean, one of Michael of Bean's best performances ever. Like he is a great sheriff, great which, character. Oh, I weren't love their him in characters that movie. brothers? Yeah, yeah, they were great um, together. Best in Texas. I just really like Jeff Fahey <laughs> of Lawnmower Man fame. Like, I was excited to see Grindhouse for so many reasons, and one of those reasons was Jeff Fahey. Look, that movie was just badass for multiple reasons. I mean, your lead character. Has a gun for a Cherry. leg. Yeah. 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 Like, you, you know Broforce. Just flying across the fucking map shooting. Oh, my God. But in the movie, she's awesome. Yeah. Freedom. Awesome. You have zombies that just get which, blown to bits with beautiful gore effects. Which also, one of... one of the best kills I've seen in a movie, the Tom Savini death. Mm-hmm. Oh, that movie. That, that kill is glorious. He gets ripped apart. And this one also had the fast zombies as well, um, which one of the biggest influences on Planet Terror is a 1980 Italian zombie movie called Nightmare City. That sounds familiar. Um, which I have an interesting story with Nightmare City that I'm not particularly happy about right now. Uh, I'll get to that momentarily. Um, but yeah, Nightmare City is an Italian zombie movie, and basically this plane lands in this Italian city and it's infested with zombies with guns. Roll movie. Um, okay. All right. I love the music because the music sounds like generic disco track. Like, wh- whatever you're picturing for a zombie movie score, Nightmare Cities is the exact opposite. <laughs> 70s porn music. Pretty much. Okay. Um, yeah. That. So, a few years ago, uh, this would have been like 2015, 2014, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Savini announced that he was going to direct a remake of Nightmare City, and he even put up an Indiegogo page for it, which I was a backer on nice. uh, to get the uh, Steelbook Blu-ray release when that eventually got off. And he actually had quite a good cast lined up. 
Um, I believe Ray Wise was part of that cast. Zach, you probably know Ray Wise best as the devil from Reaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also in uh, Twin Peaks. He also got Dean Cundy to be the cinematographer. I, I'm sorry, the Dean Cundy. Um, Dean Cundy when, though? He's still a horror legend. <laughs> Jack and Jill can't change that. <laughs> Poor Dean Cundy, man. Mark, Mark, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, damn. Um, that sucks so much for him. But yeah, but it's it never materialized. So like there was a point where they were talking about turning it into a mini series instead, and it's been at least a year, maybe two years, since backers have gotten an update. Like every couple of months, I'll look into it and see if there's like some update on the website or Facebook page that I maybe didn't go out by email. Um, and I mean, I can't get too mad about it because we work in film as well, so we Jesus. know how easily something can fall apart sadly even when you have a cast lined up even when you have a crew lined up even when it looks like you have the money to go things can still fall apart last minute and mm-hmm. it's just that's a sad reality of it i do hope it does get off the ground eventually um what was the goal and did it reach it, it oh it it went into um indiegogo on demand what does that mean it means if you reach your it, so perhaps there's um or not on demand, in demand or something like that. So basically there's an option that if you reach your goal, like let's say you want to only put up for 30 days, but you sign up for Indiegogo in demand. If you reach your goal in 30 days, you're still up. Like they don't take you down. Like your time doesn't end. Hmm. But in exchange, Indiegogo does take a slightly higher percentage, but it allows you to keep bringing in backers and more money. Gotcha. Cool. Very nice. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's uh, they did send out a few like little trinkets at one point. There was like a a pen that was shaped like a syringe with some blood in it. Um, there are a couple stickers in there. So it's uh, some little trinkets and collectibles had been sent out, and I'm sure I have them somewhere in one of my boxes. Nice, because um, I have moved a couple times since then. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I do hope the remake does materialize at some point because I think it is a movie that could use a remake. I think it'll be an interesting movie to remake, um, and especially with such a horror-centric cast and crew behind it. Um, like, there's no reason to believe that it would be a terrible movie. Uh, I think it'll be a really good movie if it ever gets made. It doesn't look like it's going to get made anytime soon, though. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I really want it to get made. Um, Tom Savini, please, please don't give up on Nightmare City. <laughs> I want to see it. Wow. Well, hope oh. for the best. Yeah. Yep. Prepare for the worst. Yep. That is that is the um, uh, the treat. So, any video games, mm. or you want to take a uh, hard pass on that? Nothing. I haven't already talked about Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I was going to say you're it, not talking about that one again. If you look, look up our video game episode. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, alright, I gotta, um, um uh, I, I, I definitely... Which, before we move on, just a couple other quick zombie movies. I'm not yes, gonna go okay. into details, but these are just some additional recommendations. Um, of course, the original George A. Romero trilogy, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, which I do think Day of the Dead features some of, some of, if not the best zombie makeup ever in film history. Particularly uh, Dr. Tongue from the opening credits. Mm. It's like the ripped off jaw, so his tongue is just hanging there. It's freaking awesome. Um, Zombie, aka Zombie 2, 
Uh, you get a zombie fighting a shark underwater. Yeah. And you also get like a woman get pulled into like this wooden, this broken off piece of wood. So it's like this sharp, it's basically a sharp wooden spike that goes through her eye. It's freaking awesome. I've got t-shirts of that scene and the zombie fighting the shark. I'm pretty sure I've seen that scene. You probably have. I just want to see the zombie fighting the shark. Um, Yeah, I really want to see that too. Yeah. An unconventional zombie movie. It's really more of a werewolf movie, but an American werewolf in London. Uh, The best friend is basically a zombie in that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I do count as a zombie movie. Uh, The Return of the Living Dead, which is like a punk rock (laughs) zombie movie. It's freaking awesome. I actually really enjoy Return of the Day. Uh, Directed by Dan O'Bannon of Alien fame. Ah! Zach, you ever see that one? Yeah. Yeah, really fun. That's a fun one. Um, Is that his first director uh, credit? It might have been. I gotta send you the. Uh, 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 I gotta. I actually have to find this. Um, there's a really good documentary about the making of that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, on YouTube, I watched it recently, a couple of years ago. It's a lot of fun to, uh, to learn about. You know, they do a lot of the like the concept drawing mm-hmm. from it, and they like they go in to break down how the script was made and all the the opening scenes. They do the whole. Um, they explain how the whole effect about that the lady that's in the um uh, in the morgue. Yeah. And when they're talking to her. And she's, you know, why do you eat, you know, why do you eat people? You know, because it makes the pain go away. Like, they explain how they got that effect and shit. It's pretty cool. It's a cool documentary. Nice. So that was Dan O'Bannon's second credit, okay. but first major credit. He did a short called Bloodbath in 1969. Nice. Okay. And then he proceeded... That might have been a student short then. Probably. And then he did a movie called The Resurrected in 91, and then that's his director credits. Yep. Nice. Uh, there's also an Australian zombie movie called Wormwood. W-Y-R-M-W-O-O-D. Basically, Mad Max meets zombies. Okay, so you saw this? Yes. Good? I have it. Really? It's enjoyable. I remember seeing trailers for this one. This movie looked amazing. Oh, it's nice. freaking... It, it has some awesome stuff in it. It's like... Oh, it's relatively new. I, I remember this movie came out at like the height of the Walking Dead popularity here in America. Me and Wes saw a trailer for this back in college and were like, this looks fucking awesome yeah and it's like in America on Walking Dead we have the zombie apocalypse in America is like this is depressing how can we go on with our lives we are the Walking Dead aren't we and then you have Wormwood in Australia and it's like we're gonna turn zombie blood into gasoline yeah yeah that's pretty awesome that's that's actually super awesome Valhalla zombie blood <laughs> uh, then you got the battery which is an enjoyable zombie comedy uh, zombievers Zombie no. Beavers. It's a legitimately funny movie. No, it's not. Uh, practical effects for the win for Zombievers. Still stupid. That's the point, though. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it. No zombie strippers? <laughs> zombies versus strippers. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I do have one more. Um, this is not a good movie, but... Still see it just to laugh at it. Uh, Uva Bull's House of the Dead. Oh! Great arcade game. Terrible movie. The only movie that uses arcade shots for fucking transitions. Oh, God. And then on top of it all, my favorite shot in the whole movie... It's like a shot of like all fucking five of them or something. They're walking towards the camera. The camera's pulling back. And then you see the dolly track on the floor. <laughs> wow. Ding. Wow. That is, that is, oh, it's so bad. Oh, I could watch that movie. 
That movie is hilarious. Oh, it is, oh it's so bad. Don't care. It's the um, uh, but yeah, that is is that it for your uh, for your list, that good sir? It. Awesome. Uh, so I I have my question because because uh, we were talking about this quite a bit about fun movies and about passion. Um, I don't I kind of don't want to limit this question to horror, uh, but it, obviously I, if you want to stick to it, I you know that'd be appreciated and appropriate. What's one movie? movie that you would have loved to have been on the set while filming it because you can see how much fun they're having while doing it hmm hmm that's a good question. that is know. a very good one yeah the uh i could i could think of a few actually um, um horror and not horror shit. and off the top of my head like i mean neither creeps as i said <laughs> I, earlier i figured yeah looks like it would have been a blast yeah. everybody, everybody who's talked about the movie had nothing but good things to say about it uh, so I think that would have been a good one um, I would have liked to have been on the set of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre not necessarily because it was fun but because it looked like it was just difficult to shoot yeah and that's one of those sets where it's like if you can survive that you can survive anything yeah what's actually really interesting is so every month the asc the american society of cinematographers puts a different asc member in charge of their instagram okay and for the month of june they actually had daniel pearl uh host it okay which he shot both the original text chainsaw massacre and the 2003 remake and so there were quite a few posts where he would post about similar scenes between the original and the remake mm-hmm. and how difference in technology and just have years of experience and just how all these other factors um, go into filming both scenes, similar scenes, but different results, but both with the intent to scare. Mm. Um, and he even talks about how there were things in the original that bothered him, like the... Um, the uh, in the van in the original the windows were all blown out and that always bothered him so he made sure that for the remake he uh made sure the windows weren't blown out nice yeah nice nice Zach you think of anything the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now is Friday the 13th part 7 okay and that's because that one was the one that should have been the it is the goriest and the most like brutal of all the Friday movies but the fucking MPAA censored the ever-loving shit out of it. So most of those scenes are gone for good. You can still catch glimpses of them in the behind-the-scenes features. But also on top of that, that's the first one where Kane Hodder played Jason. And a lot of the kills in that movie just look like, oh my god, those would have been so fun to watch and just make. Oh, well, make make mo- uh, the most important thing. Yeah. Um, but there was also, you know, director and uh, producer problems. The... Uh... Which is sad because John Carl Buechler did a phenomenal job with that movie. Rest that, in peace. It's actually uh, it's two movies, one non horror and one ho- and one kind of horror. Um, uh, but uh, the uh, one's uh, Caddyshack for obvious reasons. I just would have loved to have been part of those parties, <laughs> hanging out with Chevy Chase and Bill Murray all all fucking night would have been great. Um, and then the other one is Jaws. Um, uh, as much of an awful nightmare. That that was it's a nightmare that I would have wanted wanted to have seen live and experienced live. I mean that the the quintessential you know um, gorilla filming with a budget you know uh, kind of thing. I mean dealing with those type of problems and always 
just keep doing it because you believe in it is always a great thing. Not to mention too, they all when I watched the interviews, you know, from inside uh, the inside story on them, that it was really difficult, but they all had a fucking blast. They they never they never slept. They 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 all went went to the they just partied on an island and then just got to make a great fucking film uh, for three to six months. So I'm um, it, it it looked like a hell of an experience for the good and for the bad. Um, it, you know, it, it definitely seemed like a kind of thing that, and also too, that was, you know, you're being on the cutting edge of something that, that nobody had ever done before. It's not like today where, you know, like, oh yeah, somebody's already done that before. Somebody's done something like that. Um, the, um, to be doing something where you're just fucking winging it, you know, like, oh, nobody's ever done this before. Well, we, we're going to do it. The uh, all around the the parties, the uh, ingenuity, the challenge, the fun, um, all the other shit that was going on, it would have been a really really cool experience to see that. Even if I was just running fucking catering, I wouldn't have cared. Um, uh, just to see what was going on and to see um, somebody that would change the landscape of film, working on one of their first made. Obviously, he did dual, you know, before then. Um, and the episodes of Night Gallery and stuff like that, but you, uh, you know, and then the Sugarland Express, which was whatever. Um, but that was the first time Spielberg became Spielberg, and to watch him become Spielberg would be pretty fucking cool. I'm gonna add one more, and that's uh, back in 1960 when they were filming the episode of The Twilight Zone, Eye of the Beholder. Okay. Just because I think that's that episode is my favorite cinematography of anything. TV show, movie, whatever. I think it's just an excellent use of shadow. Mm-hmm. And to see George Cluens, the director of photography, to, to see what lighting choices he made on that set I, just would have been uh, amazing to watch, I think. No, absolutely. And what, what's interesting to think back about all these classics is that you never know you're making a classic in the moment. No, God no. Like it's you're not on set and it's like this is going to be remembered for the ages and it's going to be one of the most important films of all time. It's like really they're just trying to do the best they can. In, the people who said that are often the ones that are make films that everybody forgets. Yeah. The uh, I can think of a few. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that's a really you know interesting thing. And I'm I'm gonna add one to it is the original Halloween. I would have loved to have seen that that go down. That just would have been fun. Uh, it would have been fun to, to, to see that. You know, yeah, it, again, 21 night sh- uh, schedule shoot would have been stressful as hell, but fuck it. it, it you know, uh, I love the one guy who actually played Michael Myers for the most of the shots. Not, you know, him walking around. He's like, they're going to pay me 25 bucks and I get to, like, work right across the street from my house? Why not? That sounds great. <laughs> I can roll out of bed and, and put on a, a fucking like plumbing suit and a, and, a, and a Sean Connery mask. Why the hell not? William Shatner. William Shatner. Oh, William Shatner. Yeah. Sorry. Sean Connery. Remember, oh, if you're wrong on the internet, it's bad luck for eternity. Oh, the uh, especially if somebody comments on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, no. William Shatner, Captain Kirk mask. That's a, a spray painted fish belly white. Um, since everybody's adding one more. Um, Honestly, the biggest movie I could think I could ever want to be a part of. I don't. It's not horror, but Star Wars. Yeah, that would be which one? one? Episode of uh, New Hope. New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, I give you that one. I would. I don't give a damn what position it is. I would love to be there just for every single moment of that movie being made. You know, Zach. Since you bring that up, um, keep talking. Cause I gotta look up the title of this. Um, 
Well, I mean, it's one of the it's arguably the most impactful movie ever created. You know, that movie everybody knows what Star Wars is. And yeah. it, the biggest villain in cinematic history, Darth Vader. Yeah. Imagine seeing him for the first time on set. And he entered, and entered pretty fucking well. It's, I would have just loved to have been there for all that. <laughs> Found it. Okay, so there's a movie that... I think it's like super hard to find. I don't know if it ever got an official release. But the title of it is five twenty five seventy seven. That's the release date of a Star Wars. Yes, and it's about this guy who saw an advanced screening of Star Wars before anybody else saw it. So it's like he knows what's coming, but nobody else does. Mm. Yeah, that's that actually sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. The uh, it's basically uh, fanboys back in the seventies. Yeah, it stars the uh, main kid movie. from Freaks and Geeks. Um, I've never seen it. Like I remember hearing about it on some other podcast. I can't remember which one. So the, wait, the, was the movie made or was it? It was made. It's uh, two thousand seven. Only two hundred ninety eight votes on IMDb. So it is out there. Uh, so it is out there in some way. I don't know if there's ever been an official release, though. What's the title called again? 52577. Gotcha. Um, I'm with you on that one, Zach. I mean, those guys at Industrial Light Magic had to make the make fucking computers. Like, like they had to make computers. Just watching to make George the Lucas direct, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it's this kid from uh, um, Freaks and Freaks Geeks. Who apparently has become a writer. Interesting. Zach, don't look up what he's written. <laughs> you looked up what he's written, didn't you? No. I'm it, tempted to. Don't. He wrote Horrible Bosses. Uh, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. <laughs> Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Uh. The Vacation Remake. Uh. Um, and uh, I'm going to step away from Zach for a moment. Is it- Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, and we have a winner. Oh, that's- it can't hurt you anymore, Zach. <laughs> it's, already, it's already done, buddy. You know, I'm glad my vacation's tomorrow because I have to hear Wes talk about the shitty fucking sequel. I rip his fucking neck out. Okay. I All right. Dodge that whole bullet. It's a lot of nerd rage going on here, folks. Zach does not like the current iteration of Spider-Man. It's fucking terrible, and it's not Spider-Man. It's some bullshit Disney Channel high school shit. That sure. Okay. But I but I but back to Star Wars. Remember Zach, Happy Place, Star Wars. There's Speaking no of Star place. Wars and horror, remember when David Lynch was originally sought after to direct Return of the Jedi? Uh, really? Yeah, but he decided to do Dune instead. <laughs> the one that they that took a novel the, the, to, the, to be the able to actually see. The one movie that David Lynch has disowned. The, I remember my dad talking about that movie like from back in the day. He's like, I think it was it, it was talking about Star Wars. He's like, yeah, Star Wars was, was revolutionary. What else did we have? Fucking Dune? They would give you a pamphlet when you walked in so you could understand <laughs> the fucking movie. That, that is, yeah, they did that. That is an accurate statement. <laughs> Did your dad keep his? No! Damn it! <laughs> he probably threw it out on the way out. 
Phil's just like, fuck this. Who's but again, how is she to know that you're going to become friends with me? Yeah, I am. It's, it is a terrible, terrible movie. I, 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 well, I, it's getting a remake, which, yeah. It's getting a remake because the book is great. And, and the movie is, is something. Though there was a sci-fi channel miniseries I heard was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The, uh, but, uh, yeah, Star Wars. It's pretty awesome. The, uh, and I actually agree with you, Zach. Uh, I would definitely want to be on that side. That would definitely be my top set to choose. Although... Everything... The only thing I could think that comes in second place would probably be Alien. I would have also liked to have been on any of the Evil Dead sets. Yeah. No. Okay. Scratch that. Maybe not, maybe not the first one. No, no, no. Second place, Evil Dead 1, just because I would have loved to have seen Sam Raimi run... Bruce Campbell over with the okay, bike. Yeah, That's the only yeah. reason I would have loved to have been on that set. No, I would have. I would have went there to go smoke weed with all of them, and then I would have the just been there. It's just like, okay, last shot. Come on, come on, come on. Right, I remember over. I was listening to the commentaries for Ash versus Evil Dead, and it was the commentary for the first episode of season two. And Bruce Campbell opens it by just saying, "This season was a really easy shoot because we all knew each other and we all knew what we were doing." Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> the uh, oh, man, it meant a few words, words, except when he's not. Um, the uh, Zach and I saw him live once. Oh, I'm sure that was awesome. He was fucking amazing. Oh, I'm sure he that was really great. Was. The, he I, tore that suburban apart. <laughs> there's only one thing I, I really want to see, though, as I want to see his commentary on that really shitty superhero movie that Disney did that he was in. Um, uh, oh, Sky High. I want to see him do commentary for that. Dude, whole I recently movie. saw somebody post a picture of that. They're like, "This movie deserves a sequel." No, it doesn't. Not really. Not that not... movie was not good. First off, it's a Disney Channel movie, so it's just by default. No, it was terrible. theatrical release. It was theatrical. Wait, that movie had a theatrical release. It was a release? theatrical release. Wow. Yeah. Fun stuff. I just blew Zach's mind. The uh... that that made it into theaters. It did. They let it, they let it past it. Although it shows you when we started lowering our standards. Hey James, can you raise the bar again, please? We really need your help here. Mortal Kombat Annihilation was released in theaters, so there's that. At least that movie was semi entertaining for all the wrong reasons, but it was still entertaining. Uh, there's some movies that. And it also had a great soundtrack. Well, yeah, but but that was also <laughs> '90s movies having being terrible movies and having amazing soundtracks. Just saying. Just I mean, just saying. Space Jam. Uh, uh, Batman, uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Mortal Kombat, okay, and I. Batman and Robin was an amazing movie, and you know it. That has some of the greatest one-liners in cinematic history. Oh God, the uh, I, hey I, Mark, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Oh, oh, get down. Get Allow down. me to break the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Stay cool, bird boy. <laughs> Can you be cold, Batman? <laughs> I hate when they talk during the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate it when they talk during the movie. We are yeah. absolutely having a movie night when you get that collection. We're skipping straight to that one. I just uh, want you to know that. And Mark, you're bringing the whiskey. Oh, God. I, I can't. I won't be able to survive. Doesn't that. matter. Just prepare to have that second day free because we're not doing anything after. If anything, we can do a live podcast for that one. Oh, God. I can't. I can't chug whiskey every time fucking uh, Coolio comes on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 25 minutes before the end of the Alicia movie. No sex. I'm going home. Roof. 
And the background doesn't match her movements. Oh, so this is where you hang out. <laughs> oh, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, the pun level is is at a as as these speakers go to eleven. I can't wait to the watch that movie. Keeper is even disgusted by it. <laughs> Oh my god. Which Schwarzenegger did direct an episode of Tales from the Crypt. We need to watch that. And he even appeared on screen with the Crypt Keeper to introduce the episode. How do I not know this? This makes me happy. Very happy. And it was actually probably one of the better episodes of the series. It was a season two episode, I believe. Because why the fuck not? It's Arnold. Why can't, you know, why not? Everything Arnold is in is amazing. Even that killing Gun- well, killing Gunther wasn't great. It was okay when Arnold finally came. What into about the Hercules in New York? Amazing. What about Around the World in Eighty Days? <laughs> that was an interesting scene. Gotcha. The uh, and then uh, what about Jingle All the Way? <laughs> that movie was amazing, and you know it. What about that episode of Two and a Half Men? What? Apparently he was in an episode of Two and a Half Men. I'm looking at his IMDb right now. All right, is... we need to look that episode up. Yeah, that's happening. I'm right. assuming Charlie Sheen gets his face punched in at some point. Who knows? Yeah, you sure. Um... Tiger blood. No, Charlie, that's AIDS. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I've never seen Last Action Hero. That's what? It's it's something. It's no, a movie. that movie is amazing. It's a movie. That movie has really some of the best one-liners in all of history. I'll be back. No. You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Poof! (laughs) Right in the balls. Oh my god. (laughs) I love that line to death. Remember when I told you I'd kill you last? Yeah, Matrix, you did. I lied. (laughs) That was Commando. Oh god, Commando. Commando has the most random tits in a movie I have ever seen in my life. When he's in the fight with um with, with Dutch, they literally go through the other hotel room. They have they have an adjacent door, goes through it. This lady, they're literally under the sheets, and this lady like gets up and goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> tits. Like actually, you know what? I take that back. Second most random tits I've ever seen. The most random tits I've ever seen is an airplane. Yeah, but that was random on purpose. But that was random on purpose. <laughs> uh, there's also the 1982 remake of Cat People. What? What? So, um, Cat People, the 1982 version, which the only good thing to come from this movie was Tarantino got a David Bowie song to put into Inglorious Bastards. Um, how, what? Uh, how does. It, 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 I, okay, so Inglorious Bastards. Two plus two equals fish. So, in Inglorious Bastards, at the beginning of the final chapter, when the, um, the lady's getting her makeup on and everything. Uh, the song that's playing is a David Bowie song called Cat People. Alright. David Bowie made that song for a movie called Cat People <coughs> in 1982, which is a remake of a 1940s horror movie. Mm. Okay. Um, the original 1940s one is good. Is one of the best horror movies of the 1940s. It's got a lot of atmosphere to it. The use of shadows really cool. It's one of the pioneering horror movies, essentially, from that era. Alright. Um, Paul Schrader of screenwriting of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull fame. Uh, oh, he's also directed movies, and he's directed some very good movies, but he's also directed some very bad movies. Um, Cat People is one of the bad ones. So there's a scene where this one 
she's wearing her bra and she falls down the stairs okay she lands on her back and like an entire second passes after the impact when the front of her bra just snaps open <laughs> Ta-da! And it's just like, this is not how physics work <laughs> This is not how anything works. This is not how that is. That's not how things work. Brandon, doesn't matter. Tits. <laughs> but like, I, I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard <laughs> during a scene that was supposed to be scary because it's just like it's literally just like falls, lands, boom, open. <laughs> like like the guy pressed the button like too late. Like, yeah. It's like, and he couldn't get it right. Like, did you write it like five times? Like, one time like, you do I, too I, early, one time you do it too, like five seconds too like, late. Like, I can just imagine the director watching the final cut and doing the Mr. Burns thing. We did 29 takes, and that was the best one. <laughs> so just like, it's like the, um, uh, the fucking shot in RoboCop. Look, we've all been there. Dude, hey, when it, when the shot in RoboCop, when he tries to catch the keys, they did it like 50 times. He never caught the fucking keys. The... <laughs> Oh god! Dude, I would have just cut it. I would have just said, you know what? I, at some point, the the actor who throws in the keys would have been like, you know what? I'm just gonna hand them the fucking keys. <laughs> <laughs> and this was back when they were shooting on film too, so man. it was literally a waste of money. Oh, literally, god, it's gonna be like that scene from Sandlot when he takes when he gets the ball in the backfield and he can't throw it, so he runs it all the way to home plate oh. to hand him the ball. <laughs> That's how it's gonna feel. <laughs> I really want to watch Sandlot now. Oh, Sandlot's so great. The uh, and and also kind of a a, a kids horror movie too. In a way, in a way, parts, parts, parts. The whole thing as a whole, but there are sequences. Yes, and and that whole element with obviously with the dog and everything else, and then James Earl Jones just goes, "You could have just asked." Yeah. Wow. I, and, Which and, I'm not going to lie, that is a very important lesson, not just for kids, but for, but for anybody. Just the, to ask. You know what, though? Like, And those kids kind of just accepted it. I would feel so stupid. <laughs> like, I would be like, wow, uh, thanks. Like, can I have a ball back so I can go jump off a fucking bridge because I'm like an idiot? <laughs> My self-esteem just went like from here, from like slightly average to way the fuck down there, like the stock market in 08. like just, <laughs> just, just down, <laughs> and they just accepted it. So yeah, um, way to get off topic from fun sets, but it was a fun conversation. Yeah, the uh, uh, let's talk about some production stuff. Yeah, let's let's. Um, so this is a topic that I want to talk about because on our last podcast, I can't remember what I said. But I said something about in relation to working for free. And I kind of want to talk about like freebies Mm. in our industry. Because there are a lot of projects in our industry that are built upon people working for free. And and I've talked to you guys about my personal requirements and standards. I don't think we've really talked about your guys's, but we can kind of go into that if we want but and I want to gear this po- this portion of the podcast or this episode more towards people who are just starting out mm-hmm. um, because there are a lot of people who try to take advantage of free work. Correct. Um, however, I don't want to say never take on free work. Like even when of I was course. at ASC Masterclass, there was one of the 
Ambassadors was talking about how he got his first major TV gig based on the right person seeing two things that he worked on for free. Uh, and basically the lesson that, or the thing that he told me and the people that were eating lunch with us at the same table as us, um, if there's a project that you truly want to do, don't be afraid to do it for free if they really can't pay you. Correct. Um, that being said, though, there are a lot of people that try to take advantage. Um, and for me, it's read the person. Uh, there's early in my... And this is before I marketed myself as a cinematographer, but I was literally just taking whatever gig or job I could. Is as an editor? Cool, I'll take it. Is as a DP? Cool, I'll take it. Is as a sound person? Cool, I'll take it. Is as a combination of things? Cool, I'll take it. Like, I'll literally... Like, this is during post-production of my Watergate documentary, and I was working night shift at Target. Mm. So I really would take anything... Uh, there was a woman who was looking to hire a DP and a small film crew for a feature film. And I might have told this story before. Um, but basically, um, she talked about how it was a passion project. And it was a horror movie, too. So right up my alley. And we were getting to like three, two weeks ahead of filming. I still don't have a script. And I kept asking her, when can I see the script? When can I see the script? And I finally got the script. And it wasn't even a script. Um, but that's not the part I want to talk about here. So when I first met with her, she was talking about, uh, her first movie and this one horror movie that's been a passion project of hers for years. And then she asked what I do. And I said, I have a background, both video and editing. And then she asked me if I, uh, work for free, if I do this for pay. And I said, I do it for pay. And how wide her eyes got when I said that, it was like her reaction was, how dare you say you do this for money? Um, and then I kind of just backed up and said, but I can work for free if it's a project I really want to do or something like that. that. Those weren't my exact words, but that was basically the message I said because at that time I didn't really have any credits to my name so it's like I gotta take whatever I can I eventually dropped out of it because when I saw the script and it wasn't even the fact that it wasn't even proper format it's like the story was garbage um and so yeah it was like I had that uh catch 22 of I don't want to be that person who drops out but I also can't, I don't want my name on this and more importantly I don't want my friends names on this because there were a few people that I was going to bring out to that set as well um, and basically what my mother said was tell her I'm in the hospital <laughs> lie to her you have a family emergency I was like thank you mom <laughs> I would just been like this script is not what you said this is terrible no I, looking back I should have said that you're at the beginning of your, yeah, of your adventure. But again, it's, yeah. this, was, that's, that's thing. this is literally the beginning of my journey. And it's basically, I, I wish I had me now as like a mentor. Mm. And that's why I want to talk about this. Like, because there are people who are just out of film school or they're going through film school, but they might not have a proper mentorship or they might not be in their proper network yet. Or, just, or they just don't know how things should work yet. Correct. Or just somebody that has never been to film school mm -hmm. and, you know, and just decided, you know what, this is something I've always wanted to do and I'm at a point in my life where I, I really want to give this a shot. Yeah. I'm going to jump um, right into it. 
Which I, I'm going to say, when it comes to working for free, everybody has their own line that they won't cross, and that line can change at any time. <coughs> um, over my couple years in this business, I have developed a set of guidelines I try to follow when somebody wants me to work for free. Mm. Now, of course, there are people I know who have bent over backwards to help me out in projects, and it's if they ever need help for free, I will be there. Um, these are more for about people who I don't know personally. Or it's like if, if it's somebody who I've never met before that's looking for a DP or something, or if it's like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, like somebody who I have no personal connection to whatsoever. And one of the things that I want to see before I say yes to working free is I want to be able to see the script. Um, cause it's my personal feeling that if you want somebody to put their name on something for free, they need to have the chance to know what their name is going to go on. Uh, because if like, if the script is really good, like I said earlier, if it's a project that I really believe in and really think is a good story, then yeah, I want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause you never know where something's going to end up. You never know. Um, but if somebody refuses to let me see the script, I will have to pass. And it's nothing personal. It's just, you're not allowing me the chance to see what my name is going to go on. I can't say yes. Like I literally just can't. Um, I would like to see previous sample work from the person who's asked me to work for free. Cause I want to see if, you know, I want to make sure that they care about a good looking project. I want to know that they care about a good sounding project. I want to know that they care about the editing making sense and that they go either way to make sure like I'm, I'm not looking for like million dollar production design, but at least they're aware of what should and shouldn't be in the frame to convey the story that they want to convey. Like I want to see an understanding. Now, if it's a first time director, um, I want to get a feel for their personality. Like, if they're willing to collaborate, I'm more open to it. If they're very closed off and very, no, it has to be this way, and I don't care what you have to say, and if they're just being rude, I don't want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Politeness goes a long way for me when asking me to work for free. Of course. Because if everybody's there for free and you're acting like a complete asshole... um, even if you're being paid. Yeah, even if you're being paid. Like, it's easier to take when you're being paid, but there, I, even then, I do have my limits. Again, golden rule, don't be, a, don't be a dick. Yeah. It's been said a billion times on this podcast, especially by me. Don't be a dick. It's simple. Especially if people are working for free. Yeah. Especially. <clears throat> because, yeah, they're working for free. They're not getting anything out of this. Um, and there are people that will try to exploit free workers on their sets for their for their different reasons yeah um like there are projects that i've been approached about before where it's like and a common theme in a lot of these projects is so many blowouts in the shot like just so much blown out white light especially outdoors or even indoors sometimes i'm not talking about looking out the window i'm talking about like in the living room, there's just a blinding white spot on 
the wall or even on one of the poster. even on one of the actors I've seen sometimes, and it's like there's a division of people who aren't really filmmakers but they parade themselves as filmmakers and they really just they care more about getting their name out there than making a good movie of course you got to get your name out there but it feels like their end goal is we just want our name out there we just want the red carpet events we just want people it's just me 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 you're you're in the wrong business if you're doing it for that yeah um, and I, mean, I, I have had interviews with people before where it's like literally, and a lot of times, at least from my experiences, they want to write, direct and act and produce like literally the only reason they're looking for a DP is because they can't be in front of and behind the camera at the same time. They're, 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 they're delusional. And, and, and actually, you know what guys, and, and the one thing I'll say, and then I'll let you finish up is, uh, what have I always said if, if I'm acting and producing on a project you love it well besides that you gotta remain in the performance correct once i hit the set i'm no longer a producer the i'm only talent so you don't want me to hand you a slate no (laughs) i will not i will not ever slate myself again he says that i've done that once before i will never do it again he says that the uh um but but yeah you you can't expect to do any kind of quality if you're doing everything yeah you can't um and it's not even like being delusional. It's um, it's a vanity project. Like a lot of vanity projects will try to exploit free labor. Vanity project in this context defined as somebody who only cares about the literally just themselves. It's all about me, me, me. Ar- arrogance and ignorance often go hand in hand. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Like, and I just realized this too, a common theme, like whenever I see a plot description of those projects, like literally they'll put like John Smith stars and I'm just like, who is this person? Like they talk about themselves, like, how have you never heard of me? Because I haven't. Um, Because you're not famous. But I digress. Uh, Basically, my, my message is... Don't be afraid to work for free, but have your boundaries too. Like of if you course. feel like you're being exploited, if you feel like you're being taken advantage of, you have every right to say no. Or fuck off. Yeah. Um, if it gets to that point. If you talk to somebody and they really do seem passionate about the project, if they do... Uh, seem like they know what they're talking about if they're not afraid to show you previous work if they're not afraid to let you read the script if they're not afraid to answer your questions and the answers can even be I don't know Mm. Um, like I have been on sets before where a director says I don't know what I want I actually don't mind I don't know as an answer because I don't know means we can discuss the scene and we can discuss what needs to happen for the scene and we can figure it out together the best way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know is still an answer. Of course. Like if you're just getting runaround answers that don't really answer your question, like if they're trying to make it feel like they answered your question but they really didn't, that's what you need to watch out for. Um, transparency goes a long way especially at this super, super independent level of filmmaking that we're all at. It's very true. It's very, very true. Mm-hmm. Zachamus. 
So this is actually kind of funny for me because I've never done a freebie edit before, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the uh, post-production gigs I've done have either been my own or they've been uh, paid freelance work. The only freebies I've done is on-set work, and that's either being Grip or uh, Boom Operator, which, no, I refuse to do that anymore. So, But yeah, and it's mainly all just been for friend projects and stuff. I've never mm-hmm. actually looked out for freebies and stuff like that. I've actually been very lucky. That is very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So you could be in my case, but then again, there's also that point I brought up in, I think it was the last podcast, where it's like you don't want to enter a limbo post-production project. Yeah. So Limbo projects are much more prominent in post-production than they are for production people like myself. Yeah. You will definitely find more paid work in the post-production field, but at the same time, you will also find more limbo projects in the post-production field. I've had my fair share of limbo, though, as an actor. Um, Yeah, when it comes to productions where where they would like film half of it and they run out of money and then they gotta uh, they gotta wait another like month or or month or so to to finish the rest of it. It Happens a lot, especially on the independent level. Yeah, the um, nothing I've been a part of with any of you guys, but all all separate stuff. Yeah, and one thing I will say about uh, freebies for post production is you really don't have to do freebies. You can just take footage from the internet and just cut stuff together. Like, that's the beautiful thing about editing, graphics, or stuff. You can make your own content on the fly like that. It's actually pretty damn simple. You just need to come up with something to make or just rip and make cool shit. Make yourself an interesting demo reel if you're an editor from combined clips of other films. Uh, do something cool visual effects-wise and so on and so forth. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or just do a nice graphic and after effects, your choice. Yeah. I, I got a very, very... Uh interesting perspective on, on this or a conflictive uh, perspective on freebies and everything else uh, coming from the um, I wouldn't know either one of you if, if I didn't didn't accept the freebie yeah I would say being an actor in freebies is definitely the more challenging topic because it, it is you know and the funny thing is two things one I, I, I'm primarily executive producer on a lot of the sets and on a lot of the stuff my particular role can't be quantified. Mm-hmm. That's why the people who uh, who do it the best are paid the most because it's a very very hard role. You know, Brandon, with you, you, you shoot something, it's right there. Zach, you edit something, it's right there. What I do is a little different. I, I make sure that the, the the flow keeps going. I make sure that uh, the director stays on point. I make sure that that problems are averted on the set. Uh, it's a little bit more of a different kind of role. Where the quantif- uh, the, how you quantify it is not as easy to spot. Acting's a lot easier to quantify. You come there, you do a part, you leave. Like there's no, it's very very quantified. For some reason, um, acting in particular, oops, sorry, um, acting in particular, um, people don't want to pay people for. It. People have the hardest time paying actors. I was going to say that's probably the least paid job I see out there. And pro- part of the problem is I think is because. Everybody wants to do it, which it which is hilarious because half the people that want to do it aren't good at it. The uh, which I mean, I've had my experience. I, I you're saying that because you're an actor. I'm going to say DPs get paid least, but I'm a DP. I, I think no matter what your field is in, you're going to feel yours is the least paid. Um, no, it, I've know, seen some ridiculous ads. I'm not trying to one-up you or anything. I, I'm just saying it's every field in this industry has their share of... My two cents on the topic is 
there are way less DPs and good DPs out there than there are actors and good actors. Yeah. So you're definitely the higher demand. Probably. Yeah. The and, so. and also too, there's there's other ways that you can you can do things. You know, you could do commercial ads. You can do. Um, industrial videos. There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of things. Other things outside of the narrative Which, experience. Um, but you can you, also do that as well. I can. When, uh, when you finish up, what you have to say, remind me to talk about the Craigslist ad that Marcus told me about a few years ago. <laughs> Um, I don't think I heard that story. I heard the other story, yeah. but I didn't hear uh, this story. I want you to finish up first before the, I get um, uh, We're going to go into funny uh, offer stories. Yeah, now. No, this is going to be a good one. No, this is true. Um, so, I, I, yeah, that's definitely a hard thing. A lot of people will... I, I don't understand why. Somewhere along the line, we forgot that this is still a profession. I think it's because the, the, the industry, the film industry... And the entertainment industry, and that you know, maybe even anything related to uh, filming anything, anything else has become so convoluted and so just odd about how it conducts its business. Isn't treated a like a regular lot of business. People try to say well, you get to work with us, and that's good enough. Yeah, that's you it. get to work with an award-winning filmmaker. Why would you want to be paid? You get to work with us. But you know, it's not. It, it's it's not a privilege. I mean, yeah. you know, it, I, I, you know, it's it shouldn't be treated any differently than any other job. Uh, it's job. Exactly. You know, and 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 there's you know, and the funny thing is that. Uh, Nobody else it receives as much scrutiny about wanting to be involved in that industry. You know, nobody gives uh, kids crap or you know, or teen, you know, more like teenagers. And like, as you're progressing to adulthood, um, you know, oh, I want to be a doctor. Good for you. You get to go and help people. Oh, I want to be an actor. <laughs> Good luck with that. Why? Why is that any different? Um, yeah. uh, you know, you're you're performing a service to entertain people. I mean, it should be no different than anything. But for some reason, um, they've created this myth in the industry for almost every role, director, DP. You know, if, oh, you don't want to work, oh, you don't want to work for free, there's 20 more people behind you that, that'll do it and do it for free. But there's also 20 more. But the part everybody misses is there's 20 more people behind you that won't do the same quality of work. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the big lesson I'll take is... When you're starting out, you're going to do stuff for free. Yeah. It's just, it's just how it is. You know, you're going to be building up your resume. You're not going to get paid for a lot of that stuff. Um, but you want to partner up with people that you, that you can trust, um, uh, that aren't going to take advantage of you, that treat you with respect. Um, you know, always never work on a set where they won't provide food. Oh, yeah. Um, or water. Or water. Water is an important one. That's actually been a thing I've heard happen before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who the hell does that. Um, and obviously, too, this is important. This is important where uh, you. Oh, also getting a credit and a copy on things too, because you want to build your resume and be able to build up uh, up credit. Um, on the real, the real. Thank you. Yeah. Unfortunately, because this business is so volatile and so um, not taken seriously, it's also the most underregulated industry ever. I relate it to the, you know, especially as you get higher up, I relate it to how the gaming industry was when the mafia used to run it. It is completely fucking wild, wild west. Um, it's not, okay, and not policed and not controlled by any, doesn't have any code of ethics, no HR departments, no way to protect people. So there's a lot of con artists, a lot of, 
A lot of crazy people in the industry that will take advantage. A lot of sociopaths that will take advantage of yeah. of people who are unassuming about things, and and even people you know that you, that you've trusted over time. That may be problematic like as there's well. There's uh, somebody that assists me on a lot of these uh, ads that I shoot. Um, there's a set that he worked on as a grip that he was telling me, you know. Partway through, I started to suspect that this guy is a scammer. Even though he was getting paid for it, it's like he felt like he was scamming the producers. Um, so, like, there are even paid gigs that might actually be scams. Yeah. Uh, Zach, that was actually a set you were a part no, of. No, I know yeah. which set. I know. Um, Still haven't seen a lick of footage from that set. Yeah, and I've seen uh, one of the actresses post something about the director about a year or so ago. And it's like, ooh, this is scathing and this sounds really terrible yeah uh, it's not my place to tell the actual story but he's a real piece of shit but the uh lesson i want to bring here is even if you are getting paid th- there might still be something going on behind the scenes that's yeah. unsavory um there's a lot of messed up stuff in this industry a, a lot and there's there's documentaries and stories <sighs> and countless <clears throat> countless Countless, countless things. But you know what, though? There are good people out there. Oh, yeah. There are people who, you know, you make... I'm sitting with two of the guys right now. Um, living Proof. We're about to have a very, very large 4th of July barbecue with a lot of really great people that are in this industry who have helped us out. Uh, you know, I think it really comes down to, you know, you're at an interesting crossroads when you have to do stuff for free because when you're starting out, you have the option to do stuff that you just love. And then right in that moment when you do stuff that you love, you get to decide if you actually want to do this for a career. And you actually see if you want to pursue it to the point where you do get paid. Because the those moments where you're just doing it just because you love to do it, you find out how much you love to do it. Yeah. And, if you and really, how good you can get at it, too. That's, that's important as well. But, you know, that will is created in those times. You know, that, you know, we're still working on those times, you know, everything, you know, all these, this advice we're giving you, you know, a lot of this stuff too, we're going through right now. We're giving it to you almost in real time. Uh, you know, so my biggest tip is please use your common sense. Please be, you know, weary of, of people, uh, cause there are a lot, especially this type of industry because of, the promise of fortune and fame is so flashing in this industry. Any nutball and, you know, sociopath will run to it because it's fame and fortune and, you know, and there's gold in them hills and, um, you know, Hollywood where, where the streets are paved with gold. The, uh, I mean, I remember, uh, Zach, were you there for when, when we were at I.O.? And they were doing like a a, a, a talk a press talk. You talked talk. about this uh, last yeah, podcast. So I mean, no, I I wasn't there, but it, still, real I, real simple story. A, a kid gets up to ask a question about um, about getting involved in the acting train and everything else, and the the guy who was up there was very very nice, and he was asking him questions like, well, what you know plays have you been into? And he's, well, no, I just did a lot of extra work into this. But I really want to be famous. Like I really want to be in this industry, and I want to be known. And you know, I just, I just love being this, and I want to be famous. And and, and I'm like, wow, and this isn't a public place. This isn't like a private back room. This is in the middle of thirty people, thirty, sixty people, probably a lot more than that. But you know, there's 
a lot of people, and that's just a positive one. There's a lot of other people too that are <coughs> around this industry. So please be careful. Use your better judgment. If something makes you uncomfortable, say something. Yeah, that's going to go into my final point about working for free. It all comes down to your personal comfort. Right. Uh, like I said earlier, all of us have our own line. That line can change at any time. But it's if you really can't work for free, you don't have to work for free. My personal line is: Do I feel like I'm going to be? Do I feel like my time is going to be respected? Do I feel like I'm going to be comfortable working with this person asking me to work for free? Um, are they going to be willing to share their ideas? Because um, I have met people before where it's like they're very collaborative and they know what they want or they're not afraid to say that they don't know what they want. But then there are also people who, if they have an idea, they won't share it with their crew. And it's like, how's your crew supposed... Like, you're the director. How's your crew supposed to read your mind? We have no direction. Um, basically, just come for me, it comes down to... Do I feel like the person asking me to work for free takes this seriously? Or are they just in it for the quick buck or for the quick name recognition? Um, are my questions being answered or am I give, being given the runaround? It's all these things go into, am I going to feel comfortable working on this? Like I even mentioned, um, it was either the last episode or the episode before that. I answered an ad and the ad, like it didn't say if it was paid or not, but it ended up being not paid. But the response to my email to the person was a screen grab of another ad he put out. And so it's, if you can't even type a single word to me, like, hey, he, here's a screen grab of another ad that has some more information for you. Even just saying that goes a long way, but to literally say nothing and only send a screen grab, like if you literally can't take one minute to type a quick message to somebody who's asking about being a part of the crew, of course I don't want to be a part of this because I don't feel like I'm going to get communicate. I don't feel like I'm going to get the communication I need to do my job well. And remember, communicate. Sending a simple text, not that hard. Directors do need to communicate. Because at the end of the day, it is the director's vision. The crew is there to bring the director's vision to life. And if the director refuses to communicate that vision, how can you expect your crew to do a good job? Correct. And you know what? Relationships are deposits and withdrawals. And if you do too much of one other thing, the relationship goes to shit. And that's any, any relationship. But it definitely brings up you know twofold right here. And the other thing, too, I want to bring up because Brandon has brought it up um, many, many times. As you build relationships uh, and you be, and you make friendships and business partnerships uh, and, and you start to definitely hear more people, you know, uh, meet more people and you, and you know what their skills are and you hear about other projects, when you invite those other people that you know over to those other projects and they turn out to be kind of garbage... Yes, for the most part, it is on that uh, that person who is making the project, but it's kind of on you too, you know. And, and it can be a poor reflection on you if you bring them over to a shit project. And it's it is something that you should be concerned about. You should be concerned about your reputation from a professional standpoint. If you say, "Hey, you know, this guy needs a sound person or needs a DP or whatever the case may be," is 
and you you know go ahead and invite them over without doing any kind of research or doing any kind of script um, you know research or you know anything about that and the other person gets to the set and it's a disaster you know it, yes you know it can be uh, you know it's mostly on the other person's fault but it does it does to some degree uh, poorly reflect on you especially if you do it more than once the um, uh, you know if you find another person that uh, you do it and then you go to another set then the only common denominator in that situation is you um, uh, so and then uh, that's something Brandon has has talked to me about many many times you know I don't want my reputation and people I care about to think less of me because I invited them to this other project I want to not only protect myself but I want to protect the other people too mm-hmm. like there are people I know that. They just can't afford to pay crew or cast right now. Mm-hmm. They're very good at what they do. Um, but because they're good at what they do, it's like if they're looking for somebody, even though it's not paid, if I know somebody that will fill that crew position they're looking for, I won't mind doing an introduction. Mm-hmm. But then I know other people that aren't that good at what they do. And it's like I, I can never recommend anybody to them because... If I wouldn't work with them, why would I recommend somebody else to work with them? I'm, I'm very careful about who I recommend to what, especially if it's an unpaid thing. Correct. Or also if it's a paid thing, that's even you know even more so. Yeah. The um uh, you know it it goes vice versa. You know you recommending somebody for a project and a project being recommended to you. You know research needs to be done and and somewhat of a you know you need to know that you trust that other person or an investigation has to be done of some kind show me the script show me what plans you have communicate with me the um, communication is key and if they if communication is stopped so should you yeah Zach anything uh, on that squirrels I have a Craigslist ad to talk about, don't I? I yes, you do, and I can't wait. Uh, so this was, I think this was in between the two cruise ships that I worked on. Right. I was on vacation. I was staying here in Chicago, and I was at Marcus's place, and we were just talking about funny, funny Craigslist crew calls we've seen. And Marcus was telling me about one that he saw. Where the person was asking for somebody who had a red camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, $15,000 camera. More. Uh, and that's just for the body. If, if you're buying new, you're looking at a minimum twenty k just for the body. Damn. Um, there might have been a cheaper one to come out since then, but at that time, I remember we were paying no less than twenty k mm-hmm. to have a workable uh, kit new. Mm. Um of course, you can buy cheaper used, of course, and all that. Um, but basically, they were looking for someone with a red camera to work for free. And that's one of those things where I have to say, if they have a red, they did not get it by working for free. No, God, no. The lenses on those things are, are God knows how much money, Jesus. Eh, it depends on the mount you get. Like you can buy like an EF mount and have just like a thousand dollar zoom lens on it. Uh. Um, you can choose different lens mounts for it. Uh. Um, but yeah, it's uh, if you are looking for people to work for free, be mindful about, especially if you're looking for crew members that have their own equipment. 
be mindful about what equipment you're asking for. Um, Google. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of super independent projects probably aren't insured. Mm. Um, which, if you do need liability insurance, Verify. <laughs> Uh, production insurance, you can research production <clears throat> insurance. Um, we're not sponsored by them. We're by not the way. sponsored by them. Of we're course. just saying that's what we use to get permits. Uh, but verify if you would like, we would love to have you as a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so it's like if you're asking somebody to bring their twenty plus thousand dollar camera onto an uninsured set to work for free. <laughs> That's asking for a lot. Like, yeah. even if you do know what you're asking for, even if you do know what you're doing, even if you are communicative, uh, for somebody that you've never met before, that really is asking a lot. Whereas opposed if you're asking for somebody who has, like, the Black Magic Pocket Cinema Camera or a Canon DSLR or a GH5S or an A7S... Um, one of those smaller cameras that are only at most two grand, um, that's more reasonable, Mm. but it's don't, it's, and I'm sure there are people with the reds who are willing to work for free. Like I said earlier on, if it's a project that you really think is going to be good, if it's a project you really want to be a part of, don't be afraid to work for free. Um, but there are ads I see out there that are asking for like astronomical equipment packages and camera packages and lights and dollies and even drones work for free. And it's like, that's more than a single person's yearly salary's worth of equipment going in there for free. And it's like, is be mindful and realistic that if you're asking somebody to work for free, there may be, you may get a person who's willing to work for free, but might have pieces of equipment that they can't put in for free for one reason or another. Um, so if you are asking for a lot for free, be respectful. And again, if it's somebody that you, whose work looks really good and it's like, if you want a drone shot from them, but they can't do the drone for free, be respectful of that. Um, like if their work is really that good, whether or not they bring the drone in is not going to affect the actual quality of their work. If they know what they're doing, they know what they're doing. Don't get trapped in the gimmicks. Oh yeah. The, uh, you know, there's a red cameras. I've heard you guys talk about. There are much better cameras out there for much more affordable prices. Correct. And yeah. And drone rates. And drone shots are cool, but lots of them are not necessary. The, uh, you know, don't get caught in the gimmicks or what you've heard about people doing, you know, study, listen, you know, actually read textbooks if you want to learn about filmmaking or watch tutorials that are very, very simple. Watch your favorite movies. Yeah, too. And take note of why is this really good? Probably the answer is probably simpler than you think. Or look up a way to do it cheap. Yeah. Actually, there's a great book out there. It's a little dated, but it's a, it's a fun book. I still have my copy. It's How to Make a Movie uh, Under $10,000 and Not Get Arrested. Hmm. Um, uh, it's one of my favorite movies. And he goes into depth a lot about um, making an independent movie all the way from creation to script all the way till post. And actually, the funny thing is, it's a lot easier now than what he does because this the book was written in the 90s. Yeah, so that was just the film days. Yeah, he was actually with with film. 
So he that $10,000 movie is probably about $5,000 now, considering how less expensive things are yeah. when it comes to filming. Depending. Depending. But... The um, you know, with everything mostly being digital, it's a little bit easier to get shit done. Yeah. So, so yeah, Zach. Any any final inspiring words with it, with that about uh, you know being careful of freebies? Be persistent. Know what you want. Know what you gotta do, and just don't accept anything off a whim. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Brandon, any last minute? Uh, be respectful, be comfortable, be smart. Be commutative. Yeah. yeah. With me, be commutative, stay in communication, stay safe. Uh, and, and and if something feels off, you know, that old, what's that old saying? If it's, it barks it, like a dog, it smells like a dog, it, it, it um, looks like a dog, it's, it's probably trust fucking Trust those gut feelings. Correct. Trust them. The uh, If something shady is going on, it's probably because it is. Yeah. So I would, yeah, like I said, like Brandon said, trust those gut instincts and more importantly, stay safe um, out there. This We're making film. This is supposed to be fun. Um, it's supposed to be an enjoyable experience. Um, and the last thing we want is somebody to feel uncomfortable or unsafe. So um, do what you can. And then, uh, and that's it. That, that's it. That's all. That's all I got. So, Hey, um, please uh, like, share, and subscribe to this particular channel, the Nightmares channel. Uh, we'll keep you updated on all the greatest news um, on what we're doing and what the world's doing. Uh, please go on our Instagram, which is... Living Nightmares Official, and also our Facebook, at Living Nightmares Official. Give it a like, give it a share, give us a comment. It, it let us know, you know, hey, you know, you're awesome, hey, you suck, anything. That's uh, It's all good. It's all the same. But you know, if you do say um, uh, that you suck, you have to subscribe twice to our channel. <laughs> um, so, but please subscribe. We need those subscriber counts, and and also make sure you press that little bell just so you know every time we post up a video, um, in case you miss our Instagram and Facebook post. All right, y'all, have a good night. <laughs>